0: On this episode of Dweeb Dive, we're going in hard on episode 3 of The Mandalorian. I've got your back, we've got your back, we're going in on a lore bomb. So with that being said, it is time to batten down those hatches and... going on everyone. It is Austin joined by my co-host Connor as always super excited to talk about episode 3 of the Mandalorian. It uh far and exceeded the expectations, the bar that was set by episode 2, which was through the floor, so low, but <laughs> we're here, we're excited. Wow. Connor, dude, how are you doing today?
1: Hater I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. Uh, I, I've i been itching to record this because you this is definitely your domain, this episode. So I, I'm excited for you to kind of become the big fat nerd in this episode and me just kind of sit back and listen.
0: I, I'm jazzed up for this thing, man. I'll tell you what. Super excited to talk about it and explain it. And everything kind of comes together from what I was talking about before with the Clone Wars in a different route. Um, obviously... We'll yeah. talk about it here, but it it still does all come together with the introduction of some new Mandalorians. But we'll get to that all very short. Or I guess right now, I, I don't think there's anything else right
1: now, dude. Uh, the only thing the only thing we got to do before we move on is you got to do. I got to time your your episode recap. Here. <laughs> See where we end
0: up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got my
1: I got my finger on the trigger. Yes. You ready? All right, three, two, one,
0: All right, episode three, season two, Mandalorian. Mando makes it to the planet that he is trying to get to with the frog lady, delivers her safely to her husband, meets the quote-unquote contact in the bar to meet other Mandalorians, gets taken out onto a ship. We have an organic pit that happens with Baby Yoda, so we know that he's okay. The other Mandalorians come (laughs) in to save the day, and we have a little bit of friction because it sounds like there's different sects of the mandalorians then mando eventually just helps them take down an imperial uh i guess transport with weapons and then he is told where to find a jedi ahsoka tano so we meet uh gosh what's her name Bo booktan yeah and uh yeah that we're going to start diving in
1: all right, 51.9. Not, not too bad. bad. A little shorter than last week. A little shorter nice. than last week. Um, and if you if you were familiar with what he was talking about with the, the whole pit thing, um, <laughs> you, you may or may not know, depending on uh, what episodes you've listened to of the Dweeb Dive podcast, but we are adamantly against uh, pits in Star Wars. We think that they're worthless. And they really, um, as Austin very beautifully explained in episode one, two, Episode two, in episode two of this season of the Dweeb Dive podcast, uh, pits are pretty much worthless. Yeah,
0: if you fall in a pit, you live. You know
1: what? Only more fuel to the fire in this past episode. I mean, Baby Yoda goes in, Baby Yoda comes out. There's no yeah, issues.
0: Yeah, exactly. Go. Essentially, if you fall into a pit, that's the best place to be in star in a Star Wars universe. If you're on the verge of death, <laughs> it's like a it saves yeah. you no matter it, what.
1: It's like going into your mother's kangaroo pouch, and you're just. You're just chilling out. Yes, until someone gets oh, you out or you get out. It's a fallout shelter. Out. Exactly.
0: It's safe. It's weirdly oh, safe. Okay. So,
1: all right. Um, do, you, do you want me to kick things off with a couple things I noticed, and then you can then you can launch into the implications, perhaps, of Bo-Katan and Ahsoka being name dropped, and well, one of them being in the episode. Yes. Does yeah, that sound cool? Let's do it. Go ahead. Um, something I've just I, I keep noticing is they keep using. Anakin's pod racer sound effects it's happened three distinct times now um one in the first episode and two in this episode actually which I'm just as as a really 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 big fan of sound design um I I love that because I I think Anakin's pod racer was like a highlight of the entire Star Wars universe in terms of sound design and really the whole pod racing section um in the first episode uh they use, obviously, uh, I I don't think I pointed this out, Austin, and I, I meant to. Uh, the Marshall is using part of Anakin's Pod Racer, or the same model of Pod Racer as Anakin's, as that is what comprised his, uh, his hover bike, which I thought was interesting. And obviously, they were using sound effects from his Pod Racer. Um, in this episode, for one of the doors, oh, this is really weird. And I, I know sound designers do this a lot. Um, they, they borrow other sounds and they kind of insert them in places that are completely unrelated to the original intent of the sound. And like, I don't know if you noticed, but one of the turbo doors opened and it was the sound of Anakin's pod racer accelerating, which I thought was really, really strange. I mean, it worked like it, 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 it read well on screen, but I was just like, huh, I wonder why they did that because it's a pretty iconic sound. I feel like I wouldn't be the only person to notice something like that. But then again, I'm also a turbo nerd, so who really knows? Uh, The other thing I really want to point out is this planet they went to, uh, the the Trask was the name of the port. I'm not sure the name of the planet, though. Uh, Do you know the names of the two main species that inhabited this planet, at least the port of Trask? Um, It looks like... I'm I'm hoping you can get 50% on this quiz.
0: Well, I'm gonna get a zero percent because I don't know the actual names, but I mean, obviously the the snail people that Admiral Akbar hails from looked like one of them.
1: Interesting that you call them the snail. People.
0: And then, uh, was it like the tentacly people that I feel I feel like we've seen them before in uh, in other Star Wars? Yeah, I don't know exactly what. Absolutely. But, so.
1: These are legacy races, meaning these are races that were in the original trilogy. They've been around forever. Uh, Admiral Akbar hails from the Mon Calamari. Uh, they're supposed to resemble squids. Squids. Uh, you'll notice that their eye, their eye placement is below their mouth, uh, and that's kind of how squids are. Um, and the tentacle-faced uh, dudes—they are Quarren. Quarren, very similar to Quarren from the Mass Effect universe, but they are Quarren. Um, two are an interesting thing I should, I want to mention about these two species. I mean, obviously they're both aquatic, uh, in nature. They're both, they both hail from planets that are, um, they, they have, they have oceans and, uh, you know, they, they coexist with water, but, um, two things about them. They're both very intelligent species. In fact, they're among the most intelligent species, uh, in the canon, uh, Of all the, you know, of all the sentient, you know, humanoid species that you really come across. Uh, In the extended universe, Quarrens are most often, like, they do kind of have, like, if you want to view it in, like, Dungeons and Dragons terms, like a morality system, they do kind of tend to be lawful evil. um, Just because they're kind of, like, conniving. Uh, There's a lot of, like, Quarren crime bosses, for instance, in the Star Wars universe. So it doesn't surprise me at all that they would hatch this little plan to, you know... Mess with Mando and try to, you know, steal his Beskar by drowning him pretty much. But uh, the Mon Calamari, I thought that was an interesting kind of expansion of their culture. They, they seemed a little weirder, a little more, uh, I don't know, it was almost like Yoda-ish. That At least the one that he interacted with, the dock worker. So I thought that was interesting uh, that they they made those choices. Because before that, the Mon Calamari were a super kind of prim and proper militaristic strategy-minded sort of race. Uh, and they were kind of monolithic. So actually, I actually do appreciate that they they kind of diversified the the, the personalities of, of both of these species. That's something that I, I really like, you know, I look for in episodes of The Mandalorian. So I'm, I, I was really happy with that. Um, otherwise, I thought Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, daughter of uh, Ron Howard, did a really good job directing this episode. And... I I just kind of want to turn it over to you, dude. <laughs> what's what's going on in this episode? I I have a good idea of who Bo Katan is, but in terms, I mean, and I know you'll get to this. You don't have to answer this right now, but I just I want to know more about the the sects as you as you said. And I I because I, I... I don't have a ton of context because I have not finished the Clone Wars yet. But um, do your best, please do your best to to help with noob.
0: Okay. Well, the sex thing, the sect. Thing is actually going to be probably the least explained just because I'm not sure if they're referencing um, The Death Watch or not which Bo-Katan was a part of which was more of a traditional religious war sect of the Mandalorian culture We'll talk about it um, but it might be a newer sect with what happened on Mandalore. Obviously, they, they were all scattered. So it, it, it might just be something that needs to be explained through the Mandalorian itself. But we could talk about it. Um, as a sidebar before we dive in, the uh, Calamari people, as you were saying, being a more militaristic society, there is an episode in the Clone Wars. I think it's actually a couple where... There's a massive battle underwater where they are involved. Um, so yeah, it's just a fun fact that uh, that gets that you talked about that and I, I gotta and finish I, the
1: Clone Wars. And I uh, remember I watching Oh it's Wars. it's a
0: gold mine. It's so good.
1: I know, I know. Um, I, I, I can't call myself a true Star Wars fan until I do it. Yeah.
0: Do. There's just so much that you learn, especially right now. Um all right, so whoo, okay. All right, I'm gonna we're we're gonna sound the alarm here. We're going we're going heavy, heavy, heavy into the lore because we got to go all the way back into the Clone Wars and why Book Tan is so significant, why she has a relationship with Ahsoka um, and how she knows that the Jedi... um, At first, I want to say they did a great job selecting the actress for her.
1: Oh, Katie Sackhoff? Well, she
0: looks exactly like Book Tan in... The Clone Wars. So, I mean, as soon as yeah. I saw her, I was like, okay, I, I know exactly who she is. Um, so that was uh, very exciting. Her armor was the same as in The Clone Wars. So just all the... De- obviously, when you have Felani, who did The Clone Wars on The Mandalorian, yeah, you're going right. to get all those details and the selection of, uh, you know, actress, actor, all that stuff lined up. I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was basically spot yeah. on.
1: And can I just say, I'm so happy that they're... What I hate is when they adapt between two different mediums like animation and live action and they're just they just disregard the the cues and like the you know everything that made the character special in the original in the original work. So I'm really, really happy that it's like Katie Sackoff is pretty much one for one Bo Katan. Yes. So far.
0: Yes. Um, okay, so just I guess in regards to the episode with Bo Katan helping Mando, Mando helping Bo-Katan. Mandalore is obviously in shambles. We don't really, really know kind of the state of the planet as is. Obviously, they're scattered and the Empire came in and took over. Uh, Well, I guess we know that from Rebels, so I guess I can retract that statement a little bit. But we find out that the Empire kind of extinguishes the Mandalorians and Mando and so on. So... There's that. Um, so that's why he's she's wanting to acquire weapons and take back the planet. Um, so we'll, we'll just go right into it. Okay, who who is she? Who is Bo-Katan? So we got to go all the way back into the Clone Wars. And okay. the significance of her is her sister. Um, I can't remember her name. I'll probably have to look it up. Um, I'll just do it right now while I'm talking about it. Uh, yep. So Bo-Katan's sister is... Actually, the is Duchess Satine. Okay, Duchess Satine. She she right. is right, 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 the right. she was the ruler of Mandalore, and she actually had a fling with Obi Wan Kenobi back in the day. That was his love connection. That's the whole that, thing. Yeah, yeah that's that gets why. explained yeah, in yeah. the Clone Wars, so we won't dive too much into that. Um, Duchess Satine is killed, but why Bo Katan? Her story is. She was actually against her sister. So Duchess Satine wanted peace on Mandalore. She didn't want Mandalore involved in the Clone Wars. They were a neutral space while the Republic obviously want that, you know, the Republic and uh, the Federation both kind of tried their best to gain Mandalore to their side because of the skilled fighting people culture, obviously Duchess Satine held firm. She had a slight lean to the Republic just because of her connection to Obi-Wan, but Bo-Katan was a part of the Death Watch group of Mandalore which was like a not necessarily religious sect but like a radical terrorist sect that tried that wanted Mandalore to fight. They were fighters. They um, tried to throw a coup right. against the Duchess that was uh eventually thwarted by Obi-Wan and Anakin and Ahsoka. Um, so that's why that's kind of the the beginning that we know Bo-Katan from is she's Death Watch. She's the sister of Duchess Satine. She tries to overthrow her sister and It doesn't work But she doesn't
1: so this is Clone Wars territory that I I have not watched Mm -hmm. So Bo-Katan just to check she's introduced as an antagonist. I won't say a villain, but she's introduced as like she's against the The protagonist I mean is that accurate to say
0: yes in the Clone Wars? She is definitely not a good guy Okay,
1: interesting. Continue.
0: Um, so then, you know, a lot of things kind of play out. Um, what happens is Duchess Satine is, is eventually is killed um, by Maul. Darth Maul kind of taps the Death Watch group. And, the, you know, kind of everything ties back in with the pit thing because Darth Maul's alive. Um, Darth Maul taps Death Watch and essentially tricks them into kind of taking over Mandalore. Um, he installs a Person as kind of like the, the Chancellor and then he converts Death Watch into his soldiers but there's a a, a small sect of the Death Watch that don't believe in Maul's vision for Mandalore and what he's doing which bo is a part of and So she separates away. So this is where we start to see that transition of Okay, where bo Kind of comes to the good side if you will because Mandalore has gone so bad now What real how Ahsoka ties in with bo ties in to All of this that we talked about before So at the very end of the Clone Wars Darth Maul has essentially he has taken over the crime syndicate in the galaxy as the leader and he's running the operation on mandalore you know that's his headquarters bo-katan wants to overthrow him and take over not necessarily for herself but to free her people because of what maul and the death grip that he has with his power on mandalore Uh so he actually um bo-katan excuse me actually approaches ahsoka tano and at this point ahsoka tano has left the jedi order bo approaches Ahsoka, tells her the situation, asks for her help. And this is when both bo and Ahsoka link up with Anakin and Obi-Wan. And, and basically, they explain the plan or explain what's happening. Maul is on. Mandalore, they need the right. help of the clones and the Jedi to overthrow him and kill him. Um, and so essentially, and this is when, you know, Ahsoka comes back for the first time. Anakin's really happy about that. Ironically, this is the last time we see Anakin as a good person because he starts transitioning away. Um, Mm. so...
1: Wait, riddle riddle me this really uh quick. So at the time Maul, he has this vice grip on Mandalore. Is he holding it because he has the admiration of this, of like a big group of people? Or is his admiration only from a small group and he's holding the office because of some right or, like, thing he did that kind of, like, based on their traditions, he has to be the ruler. Like, wh- wh- where does he land as sort of the his leadership? The...
0: Um, essentially, so I don't know if he has a general interest in Mandalore itself. You take over, you become the leader of uh, Mandalore by killing the leader. It's kind of like a very tribalistic... Leadership style. Oh, so, so he, it's, it's he by killed duel. Okay. the Death Watch person that was in charge and kind of installed his own Person and that's where Bo-Katan sex off and leaves So he's ruler by default And that's why I don't know if people have seen memes about how Ahsoka should technically be the leader of Mandalore because she's the one that defeats Maul Not Bo-Katan, but that you know, that's neither here nor there um And essentially, what we we find out is Maul is really. He has a vision about Anakin turning into Vader. And he wants to bring Obi-Wan and really Anakin to Mandalore to solve this problem that he's creating there to kill him and to stop Sidious from enacting his plan. So it's like this whole thing of why.
1: Right, because Maul Maul has an angle against Sidious, too. Yes, for
0: essentially being betrayed and thrown aside yeah um just discarded exactly so that's why maul and mandalore are kind of all tied in together um and essentially what ends up happening is anakin is originally gonna go with obi-wan to mandalore but they don't because this is when general grievous attacks coruscant and kidnaps the chancellor with count dooku right which is obviously revenge of the sith so that's where we get the tie into the movies from the Clone Wars show into the movies is this moment right here. So Anakin dispatches the 501st, which is the unit that we know and love from the Clone Wars with Rex mm-hmm. um and you know a bunch of the, you know the boys ex- yeah, essentially the boys I you the you learned to love. He dispatches the 501st with Ahsoka and Bo-Katan to Mandalore to deal with the mall situation that's going on there. And this is, and so essentially, we all know what happens when the Revenge of the Sith. Anakin slowly turns bad, and they hint towards it in the end of the Clone Wars. But what happens on Mandalore is, Ahsoka and Bo-Katan are victorious. There's a massive battle that ensues, and Maul is captured by the Republic on Mandalore. He isn't able to escape, and there's a a brief moment where Maul offers Ahsoka Tano to kind of unite together against Sidious and her plot and the plot against uh, the Jedi. And the breaking point is essentially when he says Anakin is going to be the problem and she doesn't believe it, which ironically enough ends up happening. So that's when they fight. She defeats him. They take him over. But essentially, there's this big battle. And at the end of it on Mandalore, Bo-Katan is essentially the last person that can be in charge here because her sister was the duchess. So now she is kind of the default de facto leader of Mandalore. And she just wants what's best for her people at this point after not wanting to fight. And then they get drugged through all this different crap that goes on on Mandalore. So that's, that's the significance of Bo-Katan and and Mandalore and the connection with Ahsoka. And that's why we hear in this episode that, When Mando is supposed is sent to see Ahsoka to name drop, Bo Katan had sent her because they do have a really strong connection of having overthrown and it's not
1: antagonistic. No, no,
0: no, 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 not anymore, not anymore,
1: not anymore. Got Mm -mm. it. That's so. It's so interesting how this show. A, it started as a two D animated show that was. Uh, it was written and directed and animated by uh, Jendi Tartuhoski, which he did Samurai Jack and uh, Powerpuff Girls and, um, you know, a ton of these classic shows. Uh, he did. He's doing Primal currently, which is really, really good if you haven't seen it. It's super, it's like this Neolithic age, like, hunter story. Anyway, um, it's crazy to see that this show evolved from that, which was really, really good, by the way, um, if you haven't seen that. To the 3D version, the 3D animated version of the Clone Wars, which became like, like the 2D version was really cool, but in terms of lore, it was just, it was, it was really about like, okay, these are just cool ways to like enjoy Mace Windu killing 5,000 robots, uh, super battle droids and stuff like that. But like, it wasn't super lore heavy. It, it, It was slightly, it was slightly. But to see this show become like its own entity within Star Wars that has like, its own fans that are only pretty much only fans of the Clone Wars and like they don't like that is like their main connection to Star Wars that's so cool and now to see it make it all the way to what I'm calling a mainline Star Wars series not to say that it's not itself but you know uh, something that's perhaps more approachable to the average viewer you know that's very casual about Star Wars you know because it's a live action and to see this character be represented pretty much and correct me if I'm wrong Austin pretty much exactly as portrayed in the source work i'm 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 impressed i'm really impressed
0: Mm -hmm. no it's awesome it's really and and for those wondering okay so bo katan takes over mandalore why what why doesn't she have the dark saber what happened well bo katan doesn't recognize the galactic empire as the true entity that it is essentially renounces it as the governing force and so that's when the purge happens on mandalore and the empire basically Extinguishes the Mandalorians, and that's why they all go their separate ways. So, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of what we're talking about. So the Dark Blade, the lightsaber blade that, if you trace it all the way back, I think Connor, you mentioned it. A Mandal a Mandalorian mm-hmm. had originally stolen it out of the Jedi Temple, and it it essentially became the signifying piece of the ruler of Mandalore, passed down between generations or between duelists.
1: I believe, uh, and I might need to double check this, um, but I I believe the Darksaber, it was originally created uh, with, I can't remember if it was a true Mandalorian or like a half Mandalorian sort of deal, but I'm pretty sure there was a Jedi or a Force user that had some sort of Mandalorian lineage that was also working with the Jedi or was considered a Jedi and made it. And then it was... It was eventually handed down as like a Mandalorian artifact and then icon of their, you know, race. But let me, let me double check that while you continue. Okay.
0: But I I mean, that's essentially, that's essentially our our humongous connection and who Bo-Katan is at this point right now. So she has a link to the Clone Wars. She has a link to Ahsoka. And that's why it was such a fantastic piece to bring into the Mandalorian, and obviously she hates the Empire. And the Mandalorians are very good at creating weapons; they're very good with fighters, and that's why the Empire is taking these weapons that have uh, Mandalorian trace slash technology slash were Mandalorian weapons um, away. And that's why Bo Katan wants them back. Um, essentially, it sounds like from the episode that the Empire still kind of has a grip on Mandalore, and she's going to continue to work to free the planet from
1: the yeah. Empire again that was my other question when when you're ready to talk about that yeah. well i mean it's just the
0: empire heavily occupied i'm interested to know
1: like what the purge entailed like how how did the empire oust them from their own planet and then i'm interested by what he said about that well that planet's curse it sounds like the empire is mostly pulled out but they did like a scorched earth policy like they salted the salted the, the the earth or something like what does that mean? So, do you know? Like, is that explained in the Clone Wars?
0: No, it's not in the Clone Wars. Oh. But what you have to do is, it's mentioned in Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, in mm-hmm. another, um, essentially, uh, animated series that is canon. Um, there is a weapon that I believe the Mandalorians had originally created and it was a targeting system that would essentially kill slash vaporize only Imperial soldiers only the stormtroopers and keep the Mandalorians alive and I think the Empire got their hands on it and reversed it and essentially extinguished the population of Mandalore with their own technology the only reason that we know that is because the Empire tries to bring it back and use it again, um, or I guess not essentially bring it back. They're trying to reequip themselves in rebels because I, because the empire still exists in rebels. So that's kind of where we get the connection because it's referenced how um, somebody had helped create the weapon and it was used on Mandalore and they can't let it happen again. I think it's the House of the or the Night of a Thousand Mirrors or something like that. I I think that's what the Night of the Purge on Mandalore was called. I can't one hundred and ten percent remember that um, if it's true, but that it does revolve around the Empire essentially extinguishes the Mandalorians, and that's why they all that's why there's nobody on the planet. That's why they're all scattered Dang. is because the Empire literally went to extinguish them. They had the aimbot. Yeah, yes, they did, essentially.
1: They had the Mandalorian aimbot. That stinks. Yeah. Dang, okay. So
0: that's why, and I believe, again, the Mandalorians are just in an immense fighting culture with the technical savvy and warriors. So you can kind of understand why Moff Gideon has the Darksaber to rule over Mandalore, why... Mm -hmm. Mandalorian weapons are being taken to Mandalore. Why it's alluded that the Empire still has a a hold on Mandalore so tightly? So there's just all these different things that are churned up in this episode that kind of get brought to light. But I mean that this is what this is what we're asked. I mean obviously we got a huge lore drop and and reference and everything in this episode, which is to me is what we wanted. You know, now we can continue to ask all these different questions because Bo-Katan being in the episode opens a lot of doors to a lot of different things that the Mandalorian can go to. And something interesting that I Mm -hmm. kind of just was thinking of was the connection with Ezra Bridges, who is the Jedi person. He's kind of a kid, a teen, if you will, that's,
1: He's like in, he's like in training, well, kind of, when, but he's not being trained. He's like an initiate. Well, something. we
0: don't know really what happens because he's trained by Kanan who we mm-hmm. do hear in the last uh, Skywalker, or whatever the movie's called. Um, the rise of Skywalker, I guess. Um,
1: I don't know. It's all blurred, like me, when,
0: dude. when all the Jedi are calling out to Ray, you can distinctly hear Kanan's voice in that he is killed in rebels that's interesting but he trains ezra ezra and ahsoka mesh as does bo katan and ezra there is a connection here because bo katan is essentially at that point the leader or was the leader of mandalore and knows ahsoka so i'm kind of curious at this point is ezra around now with ahsoka hanging out he does save her life because ahsoka dies in rebels um, she's right. She's, you, you mentioned she's that. killed on a yeah. Sith temple against Darth Vader. She duels Darth Vader. There's an explosion on the Sith temple. She dies. But Ezra goes back using like the the Jedi temple that's uncovered on I forget what planet. He utilizes it and draws Ahsoka in from the explosion and saves her life. Now I mean that's like a whole another thing. But like I hope the biggest thing that I hope is you just see all the interconnecting parts and pieces of. Mandalorian and how it's just connecting to the Clone Wars, how it's connecting to Rebels, how it's being connected into the movies at this point. Like the Mandalorian is gluing everything together right now, and we're yeah, only really epi- we're only three episodes in, and there's just so much more that we could potentially learn about or or find out. And I mean, again, I, I think the exciting thing is Ahsoka Tano because she is probably the only person that has the most connections to everything that I just mentioned. Like, Bo-Katan, yes, is a mm-hmm. serious piece, but she knows of the Jedi. She has interacted with them, but Ahsoka Tano lived through everything. The Clone Wars, Order 66, the rise of the Empire, leaving the Jedi Order, helping Kanan and Ezra. Like, all these different things... Um, that she has done, yeah. she is just she is like the missing link right now, uh, for for our connection. So I'm just super curious to see, and I mean, it'd be cool to see if Ezra Bridges is in the Mandalorian. I don't know if it'll happen.
1: Do you think? Do you think? Do you think he'll like be a character? Do you think he'll just be kind of like oh like referenced in like oh yeah, he's like a person, but he's not in the show. I find, and also I'm interested to I'm in, I'm I'm wondering if you think Mandalore is going to be a location this season.
0: It sounds like it will be with the introduction of Bo-Katan. At some point, I don't know how long they plan to run the Mandalorian, but I think Mandalore's in play with Um, Bo-Katan. Honestly, Ezra Bridges is a huge character. He is the character in Rebels. Um, And we know Rebels is canon. Now, to simply discard a Jedi character as if they're nothing is would be shocking in my mind for a canon Star Wars mm-hmm. story because there's so few of them left, right? So I think Ezra has a place. I mean, he's got all the pieces. bo and Ahsoka both know him. And at this point in the story, just after the Empire's fallen, his mission was to overthrow the Empire because they killed his parents um, for being resistance fighters on his home planet or being resistors, essentially, to the Empire. So where he falls into place and the fact that Kanan's voice, I don't know if Ezra's voice is heard as well, but Kane, I mean, I distinctly remember the first time watching that movie and hearing Kanan's voice, I was like, oh my gosh, that's Rebels. Like, literally, it it's tied in. So having Kanan, just mm-hmm. that blip in the movie, I just makes me believe that Ezra has a place in this universe. Now, how does he get introduced? That's obviously the big question. And I firmly believe that this is a great opportunity for... Favro and Philani to add him in somewhere or at least open the door for him to come in because, again, he's a pretty significant character. He has a serious link between Ahsoka and Bo-Katan. And, I mean, if the clone trooper is truly one of the old clones that we know, Ezra knows him too. So, we're kind of, like I said, we're getting all yeah. of these interconnections going on that is... Just it's just so interesting. It can just lead you to so many different places. And again, this is what I was talking about I mean, I again, this was a huge lore drop, but
1: Yeah, giant
0: if you don't know any of this I mean, it's not as much but it still leads you to ask questions which is Something I think is the important part is to continue to drive the questions of the plot for viewers because that's what makes it interesting it just so happens that I know yeah. a lot because I watched uh, the Clone Wars. So,
1: so you like this episode? Oh, I loved it.
0: I mean, a hundred and twenty percent loved the episode. I, I mean, like, it, yeah. like it was an exciting episode, not because of what happened during it, but just the implications that it brings.
1: Like, so yeah, you were you were really hinging on like the what what it may mean moving forward, but really quickly um, unless you unless you want to, if there was anything else you needed to continue on there I do want to get your take on the actual literal events of the episode though like mm-hmm. was it exciting for you did you like you know the beats because I, I can tell you right now I really liked it I thought it was a really exciting episode I thought it was the right amount of um, we'll say dark humor with the Imperial officer and actually it turned very dark pretty quickly when like the for the Empire part started. And he was just gonna dive bomb the entire ship. I was like, hell yeah! That's exactly the kind of dark, like, awful stuff I want to see from the Empire. Like, that's great. Mm-hmm. I, 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 really enjoyed that. So, and I, I like the tactics that Mando employed. You know, as it got the situation got more desperate, they were gonna crash land, and he's like, well, I am wearing like a ton of Beskar. Let, let me just like <laughs> bull rush these guys really
0: fast. Yeah, I think that I like. I mean, I liked the episode uh, in itself. You know, in a shell, the episode was really good um obviously Mm -hmm. the skilled fighting of the mandalorians um that obviously continues to translate from from the clone wars and then yeah i think it was cool yeah why does everyone value beskar so much well i think it was a great example of him literally walking into a hail of stormtrooper fire and just taking all of it and just like it i imagine it's like rubber bullets hitting a bulletproof vest like it's gonna hurt like the force hurts you'll probably get bruised but in essence you're fine you're not going to die at all and just him taking all those shots is yeah. like yeah okay now i understand why everyone so desperately wants this this metal this armor That's because you're literally indestructible at least from a traditional standpoint of blasters like
1: yeah like it seems like i mean they're using e11s there e11 blaster rifles which is the standard uh the standard rifle that stormtroopers use which is um Compared to the rebel, uh, the rebels or the the republics um, A2A that we discussed earlier, they are they're not as they're not as suited for long range, but they do pack a better. They have an automatic mode, for instance, um, and they're they're typically seen as better, like you know, breach and clear in like close quarters combat weapons. So um, they definitely pack a punch in that exact type of situation that they found themselves in, like in a hallway. Um, So, by all means, I think with any other armor set, it would have been a kill zone, but because Mando's basically a juggernaut Mm -hmm. (laughs) with the Beskar, he was able to figure it out. I I I got a little nervous, though, because he, I mean, he does have gaps in the armor. I mean, there's clear, like, you know, he's wearing a suit underneath it, and, like, you can see gaps in the plates, but I guess he was just confident.
0: Yeah, and that the Empire couldn't hit him. The Stormtroopers couldn't hit those precise yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah, were you were
0: you mad when they made a (laughs) reference to the stormtroopers not being able to hit anything
1: i i chuckled because i was like oh perfect we just (laughs) talked about this and
0: i heard whatever heard that part as well um but i mean it's just it was a great episode i think it just it answered questions there was a lot that happened um you know it it just sets up for for more and more and more so I just just as a recap, because I know I went on this crazy rant and just went all over the place.
1: Yeah, let's let's get a tight uh, take. From so
0: you. the importance of Bo Katan is she was the sister of the original leader. She became the leader with Ahsoka's help, overthrowing Darth Maul, and that's why she knows mm-hmm. Ahsoka. She denounced the Empire, and that's why she's not ruling Mandalore currently because the Empire purges mandalore which we hear a lot about so that's kind of like in a nutshell very very brief summary of who bo katan is and why she's there and why she's so significant because i mean i won't lie it's really hard to avoid spoilers i didn't watch it immediately i actually watched it yesterday which is thursday um Mm -hmm. and i mean i had seen pictures and i saw everything like oh who's bo katan what's it mean i was like i mean I don't. I don't even think I saw her name. I just saw her face. I was like, "Oh, it's Bo-Katan. Like I know her. I literally just finished the Clone Wars, and she's oh,
1: like you, you. You mean you saw like uh, a still frame, a still frame
0: shot of just the three new Mandalorians face. and her without her helmet. And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Boom, there it is." Oh yeah,
1: that's her. Yeah yeah yeah. Okay, cool.
0: So that's um, the I I, I
1: I think for the listeners, it'd be really cool to get your take on your prediction, rather on what is Ahsoka going to be like. Because I know when she was first introduced, I think she was about 16 years old and she was really, you know, she was kind of peppy. She was kind of rambunctious and, you know, like you said, there's a comparison. It's she's what Anakin was the Obi-Wan, essentially, you know, she has a lot of potential. She's pretty powerful, but she's kind of foolhardy. How did that change uh, by the last time we saw Ahsoka And you know, in I think in Rebels, you said it's the last time we've seen her? Like, is she, like, how has she changed as a character? Would you I say? mean, I would
0: say it's a night and day difference. She, she went through so much in a shorter amount of time. I don't think she was that much older in Rebels than, um, at the end of the Clone Wars, so.
1: Okay, so actually I did do some research because I know we had talked before about, well, a good amount of time has happened since we first met Ahsoka, in now Mandalorian Season 2. So I have figured out her ages, barring any time jumps that we don't know mm-hmm. about, but... Um, so she was 16 when we met her. In Rebels, she's reported to be 31. Okay. So she's still like, you know, she's still, she's not quite, you know, like middle age or anything. And then in The Mandalorian, if there's no other time jumps, they have her placed at 45 years old. Okay. So, I mean, do you think she's going to be more or less the same as she was in Rebels? Like, how was she in Rebels? Like, you know, was she. Is she a bit wiser now, oh, a bit like calmer. Yes, she was. Yeah. She was definitely okay. so.
0: The um, so essentially as a recap to hap- what happened to her. She left the Jedi Order because she felt betrayed. She went on yep. a little bit of an adventure of her own, helping um, some people out and get out of a jam. She gets found by Bo-Katan, helps Bo-Katan take back Mandalore from Maul. Almost joins Maul. Then on the trip back to Coruscant because they were going to hand Maul over to the Jedi Council. Order 66 happens and so she has to live through that entire ordeal of the 501st. Her best friends that she's known for years turn on her. She saves Rex, but like the starship crashes and she... Something significant that happens at the end of the Clone Wars is she puts both her lightsabers with the clones, so she leaves them behind. She does acquire new ones that are white, I believe, in Rebels, but she's
1: ah, great Jedi. She's stuff. a little
0: okay. more reserved, and I mean, I think you can kind of see those cogs turning, and and at the end of the Clone Wars, because she's not around Anakin's influence as much, um, and then you know, obviously, the significance that happens in Rebels is she gets pulled into the Force space time continuum, and I believe she kind of chats and and interacts with yoda master yoda um i I can't really remember the the full uh dialogue but she she is very well uh wisened up if you will from the last time we saw her so i we actually i'm semi-certain we saw a flash of her in this episode in the brown cloak Do do you remember seeing that
1: oh right when he lands at the port yeah. oh
0: yeah i totally forgot about like, I'm that i'm pretty sure that's her
1: um but that seemed that that seemed fairly jedi like human like
0: just a, a that, flash
1: you're, you're talking about the the person in the brown cloak that was watching mando mm-hmm. and mando kind of saw them and then they, you were know, they, gone. they did that classic thing where something passes in front of screen and they disappear, yes. right i i'm okay. i'm pretty
0: sure that was ahsoka from the looks
1: of her really yes it didn't really seem like that was a twilek, though. I mean, she—I mean, she did have a hood on, so we can't be too sure. But I mean, I just—I
0: have to believe, and I don't have to, but I have reason to believe. If the clone, whoever he is—if it's Boba Fett, then it doesn't really matter. But if it's a different clone that's tracking Mando and the child, and Ahsoka is tracking it because of the Force sensitivity. I mean, I have to believe that she kind of is keeping tabs on Mando and the child. And you're telling me that Mando's going to roll up on the planet she's on and she's going to be Yoda sitting in the hut, kind of half lost her mind? Or does he show up and nobody's there and then she's there following him? You know? I think that's more plausible than than the former. So. That's why I'm pretty sure that was, I mean, like I saw the flash, I didn't rewind it, but I am very confident that that was Ahsoka. And it wouldn't be surprising if Ahsoka was there kind of interacting with Bo-Katan on the side as well. So, I mean, I just think Hmm. that it was, it's the classic dark brown Jedi. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, hold on.
1: Who is the actress that was casted as Ahsoka Tano, though? Uh,
0: wasn't it Rosario Dawson? I I would have to look. I honestly, I don't. I haven't seen the cast let list. Let me just in, let me just look
1: it up right now. Oh, let in me just a look hot right minute, now. okay.
0: Oh, you're gonna cheat and see if she got listed as an appearing?
1: Because if it was Rosario Dawson, like I think it is, um, then that definitely was not her in the hood. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it, she is being played by Rosario Dawson, and I don't think that was her, unless she was in like makeup or prosthetics. Because I know Twi'leks have like their their head sort of tentacles. It does kind of interact with their forehead in a certain way. But like, I don't think she had the face markings. And if Ahsoka Tile is going to have the same kind of like you know that orangish, burnt orange skin color, it it seemed too pale to be her.
0: I, I don't know. Let me. I don't, I don't think so, Let man. Let me see. I want to see if I can find a picture.
1: I'm willing to bet that that... I, okay, here's my prediction of who that person was. And, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because I totally forgot. I think that might have been either... It would be very disappointing if that was just the contact, someone watching him for the Quarrens who were planning the ambush and that's all that person was. I don't think so. I think that might be like a Zam bounty hunter situation because you know how Django had Zam that was like his the one person he really ever worked mm-hmm. with. Um, I'm wondering if that is a sort of analog to whoever the Mandalorian is that's following um, Mando right now, whether that's Boba or whether that's a clone or somebody else. Oh, yeah.
0: I have to go back and look. I Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So, But I, I just, it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me, so... Maybe I'll just die on that hill.
1: But also, like, Ahsoka Tano, like, her tentacles are... She doesn't wear them behind her head like some other twilight's. Like, they're right... They kind of go next to her face. Although, I mean, she could be portrayed differently in this show, so we don't know yet. But I don't know, man. I feel like we would have seen those a little bit. Yeah,
0: I guess you're right. I guess you're right. So maybe it wasn't Ahsoka on the planet, but we get her officially... I think it's a
1: sidekick to whoever this Mandalorian is that's following Mando. Yeah. That's my prediction. Yeah, that also. I mean, that it's also a-
0: makes sense in the same sense of tracking on Tatooine and then tracking to this planet. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, the same logic can be uh, transferred over to to that Mandalorian, whoever they are. Yeah, I mean, I can get on board with that. So maybe it's not Ahsoka, but maybe it's somebody else with significance that we don't know of. I mean, it's just these are just the type of questions and the depth that you want to go into and that, this is what makes you hungry for the next episode because you just don't know what's going to happen. Like at the end of the last episode, it was like, okay, well, we're going to, we, we know the only direction that they can go in now. Like it's very predictable, which is not essentially the fun about shows. And I think, I don't think this show has had that predictability Um, That much, you know, I certainly saw, you know, Quill would still be alive I didn't think the droid would be who he was like there's all this uncertainty that continues to pop up and I mean With this episode now it's like, okay, obviously the end goal is to get to Ahsoka But they could get there right away, but they could interact with this other Mandalorian. They could you know There's just all these possibilities. They could go to Ahsoka immediately and then Then there's still endless possibilities because of who Ahsoka is. Like, it's just, there's just all this extra stuff that gets piled on that you're just like, oh my gosh, I have no idea where it's going. And this is why I want to watch it. You know, the new episode. 14 extra
1: years of like not knowing what she's been up to. I totally agree. And I think, I think this Mystery Mandalorian is going to factor into the the Bo Katan story arc with, you know, reinstituting Mandalore, maybe. I, I, I wonder if this Mandalorian is going to play into that and maybe challenge Bo-Katan, um, for the seat. You know, maybe he's like a, he's kind of like a great eminence character where he's been plotting something for a long time, but didn't really know how to like do it. Or I don't know. I, I, I agree with you though, that I'm, I'm really excited by all the prospects that they're kind of lining up and I hope, I hope they land on their feet. Um, when they try to cash in on all of these, you know, prospects
0: yeah i I think if if it is someone trying to make a play for the seat of mandalore it's something that's brand new um that has never Mm -hmm. before been seen which it kind of i don't know if it fits what what i've seen but i you know i could obviously be very wrong which is what makes it fun so I mean, but if or, it, you know,
1: maybe they're opposed, maybe they're opposed to the Mandalorian culture, and like that's why this Mandalorian's not wearing their armor anymore. That could be it too. Um, maybe they're saying it's time for the end of the Mandalorians, and they're they're actually the opposite, and they're going to try to dissuade in quotes, um, Bo Katan and her crusade to you know restore Mandalore. Who yeah. Knows? Well, I or maybe maybe they won't be involved with that well, at all.
0: I think it's important to point out the something you brought up at the right before I went in on the lore is the different sects of. The Mandalorians. Yeah. The the majority of, I mean, almost all of the Mandalorians in Clone Wars, they take their helmets off. In Rebels, they take their helmets off. They're not honor bound to stay in their armor forever. So it's more, I mean, we don't know the Mandalorian culture. We only know of the way, which is Mando's way of honor bound. Don't take your armor off. You know, it's forsaken. So, that's actually the minority thinking. The majority of Mandalorians are free to take their armor off, free to take their helmets off as they choose. They're not bound to wear them forever. They can take them off. Yeah. So I think it's important to note that. So for example, that clone, if he's a Mandalorian, or I guess if that Mandalorian's a clone, whatever, you know, they don't need their they don't need to be wearing armor to be a Mandalorian or have significance like that. I think it's important to point out that Mando is a minority in his cultural line of thinking for Mandalorians. Like, I think that's important to say he is an outlier. His yeah, group is an outlier. It's easy to forget
1: that. Exactly. It's easy to forget that. And I, cause I got so sucked into this, to this, I, I, I honestly completely forgot about every other appearance of Mandalorians in the star Wars canon. So far I was like, yeah, this is how they all are. What are you talking about? So, I th- there's gonna be like a i think like a, a come a come to Jesus moment for Ma- for mando here coming up pretty soon where he's gonna have to come to grips that he was kind of raised by wolves in a sense like he was definitely like on the outside of the majority culture and i think he's gonna have to reconcile that fact but like his covert got kind of wiped but i think some of them are still alive mm-hmm so I don't know if that's going to come back into play either, if, he, if he's going to have to confront them at some point. Um, uh, tell me this, Austin. Are you going to be upset, though, if Mando uh, like, adopts the majority culture and starts taking his helmet off? Because I think I would be.
0: Mm, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't think it would bother me at all. Uh, it just opens another door to further development for Mando and just a, a heavier interaction with other Mandalorians. And, I, you know, I just, you know, I know that's a very solid foundation of who he is and, and who we know him yeah. to be. And people hate character, drastic character change like that. And obviously that would be one. But you just, I just go circle back to how he is in the minority in the cultural thinking and the way that Bo-Katan and the other Mandalorians kind of scoff at him. They're like, oh, he's one of them. One of the loons like oh boy but like literally in every other instance of mandalorians being exposed in star wars canon which is a lot compared you know in the clone wars and even in rebels i mean Mm -hmm. we're around mandalorians a lot like the people of mandalore they don't wear armor they're normal people like they're not all armor-clad warriors they're they're normal people like they wear yeah, like, like the armor-clad
1: ones. is like a class of yeah, a warrior class. But yeah.
0: like even still, like, and I think the only reason we didn't see all of them always have their helmets off is because it's probably a lot of animating to do facial features versus helmets with color, you know. But like right. the majority of the Mandalorians, they always have their helmets off. I mean, it's just it is they they are not bound to wear their the 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 passing of the armor from generation to generation is is a thing. Yes bo katan obviously makes note of that when mando tries to accuse her of not being a mandalorian but yeah they're not duty bound or honor bound to keep all that stuff on so i just i think it would just so open a door of for mando and um and just a, a another developmental arc that we could see for mm-hmm. for him because i mean he's still kind of tightly wound and
1: um... I mean, he's got so much faith in it though. That's that's the thing that Is gonna be interesting. It's his life and he he totally credits them with like saving him and he he feels so much loyalty to this idea uh, of whatever you know, whatever was going on with his covert so I don't like I Don't personally see him ever taking his helmet off. Like I, I see that as like a like last episode of the last season kind of deal but i don't know i, I think i could learn to be okay with it but a, a, as it stands right now i think it's so integral to mando's character I, I just don't really see him being like a helmet off type of dude although i i i've, I've heard rumors i don't know how true they are that the the actor uh what's his face oberon um, uh, pedro
0: pascal
1: Pascal, yeah, he's wanted to take his helmet off. And apparently there was some drama about that in the writing stage of this season. But I don't know how true, I mean, it it didn't seem very reputable, so who knows? Yeah, Um, I mean, I just... Speaking of passing things down in the generations, by the way, uh, lore extra. Um, So the Darksaber was made by Tara Vizsla, who was the first Mandalorian that was inducted into the Jedi Order. So true Jedi. Um, After he died, that's where your thing comes in. His Darksaber was stored in the Jedi archives, the Jedi temple, and the Vizsla clan uh, stole it back. So they literally did steal it. And that's why pre-Vizsla, um, as I understand it, uh, was Bo-Katan's, like, Bo-Katan was sort of his right-hand person. Is that correct?
0: Mm, I think so. Something along of those Death lines. Watch. Yeah, back, yeah, yeah. back in the Death Watch days? Yeah.
1: yeah I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's why pre-Vizsla originally had it. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go.
0: So, I just, I'll just i just say the last thing about with Mando and his helmet um, and, and being tied, tied into it and being who he is. I mean, wouldn't it be, without getting overly deep about it, but would a change in his view of taking his helmet off, I mean, he can still have respect and be grateful to the Mandalorians, but wouldn't that be kind of like freeing a, a little bit in a way as well? Opening the door to more distinct possibilities of the being a mandalorian if we're
1: we're talking in if we're talking in meta terms as like the writers of the show absolutely that could be really interesting if we're talking about his character i could easily see him being feeling secured and protected by the armor like more more than just a a conviction by whatever code he follows I, i think because of the life he's lived and the way he was discovered as a foundling and that sort of trauma, I could easily see him preferring to keep the helmet on too. Yeah. As just as just a way to kind of deal with his past and you know, the kind of hard life he has to live day by day, you know, people trying to kill him at every corner. I just feel like it more than a creed, it's part of his personality too.
0: An isolated personality that I wonder if yeah. will be broken open with knowing that There are I mean, obviously he knows of other Mandalorians that are part of his sect, but like look other Mandalorians like Bo-Katan and her following and I mean, I just think it's funny that like it was so shocking to me that when the armor Gave Mando the jetpack like this was like a sacred thing right, but like on the flip side of that you know bo and everyone and like in Clone Wars like almost all the Mandalorians have jetpacks. like this isn't a new thing like this is something there it's like day one but like, they all have them so right. like That's just so like opening the door to true Mandalorian culture of like it's not like this sacred right to choose a jetpack. like nah man you just get one like this is our primary means of maneuvering in battle because they're used so heavily like if you watch the clone wars like for example i go back to when the 501st is invade or attacking mandalore with bo-katan and her group like the clones are all in the transports the mandalorians are flying around on their jetpacks all of them all of bo-katan's mandalorians are in jetpacks they're not
1: they're they're not in
0: ships at all like like the transition from space to the planet, yes, obviously. But when the doors open, they are all gone. They all they're flying in with the starships. Like the jetpack is like a normal so, thing. So it was just kind of weird that the man like Mando getting the jetpack was like this big deal on the flip side, it's like an everyday thing in normal Mandalorian culture, in my in my opinion. I mean, I don't know the sacred rights or anything, but like literally every true Mandalorian that I know from the show, or from the shows, have jetpacks and they know how to use them. They're they're very proficient. Here's, so,
1: yeah, here's my here's my interpretation and maybe my prediction of what 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 we're, what we're gonna come to understand about Mando's specific covert and his specific sect. I think it's one of two things. It's either a fallout situation where. His covert has been disconnected from the mainland culture for so long that when they rediscovered like the source book or the source materials, they took it super literally. And like, I don't know how I'm familiar with Fallout, but like whenever people in the post-apocalyptic Fallout universe, when they when they discover things from the past, they tend to take it super literally. So like Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas… When that was rediscovered by the by the settlers of the you know the Fallout universe, they literally thought that was Caesar's Palace and not like a casino, and like a culture developed around the idea of Caesar in this you know in the in Nevada, which was super interesting. So I I, I wonder if they maybe rediscovered some source text, and kind of like religious fundamentalists, they were like, oh, this is exactly how we're going to do it, and they were like, you know, th- they became kind of zany in that way. It's either that or. Um, They are familiar with how other Mandalorians are doing it, but they've—it's kind of like a revival in a way. It's—it's almost like they're like Amish, you know, like they're like they're choosing to take a very hardcore approach to what it means to be a Mandalorian, almost in spite of the mainline uh, Mandalorian culture, and they—they—they purposefully, you know they keep their members sheltered in a way from the world or from like going from venturing too far outside of their covert because they don't want them to adopt, uh, I'll call it the sinful ways of, uh, of modern Mandalorians or, you know, what, what, what the mainline Mandalorians are doing.
0: Yeah. I, I, 100% agree. I think one, any post-apocalyptic world always trends back to the roots of human history. I mean, you could look at any show, movie, whatever, any post-apocalyptic show, movie, whatever, and you can see that, like, Book of Eli with Denzel Washington, the Bible is the most treasured thing on the planet post-apocalypse. You know, everybody's fighting over yeah. it. Um, y- there's just, all like, all the roots that people want to grab onto. And I think for the Mandalorians, you just think about it, like, their people were extinguished. Like, they almost became extinct as a people. The few survivors have no culture. They have no anchor. They are lost. And yeah. they find or hold on to traditions and then build upon them on their own. And you don't want to change that despite the changing world, you know, going back to normal because that would just break your foundation and send your people spiraling back into that unknown questioning everything. So I think that's just like another, that's just like an in general cultural piece. If you, you can kind of look at anything around the world and say, if you create a foundation of belief, of people you don't i mean they're very reluctant to change especially the higher-ups that kind of know the truth because they know exposing something that goes against what they've been so hard fought will send their community into chaos because everyone will start questioning everything questioning themselves and
1: okay so you know it's just you're saying it's more of like a pacification of the masses in, in a way at least of their their perception or you know, their mental state.
0: Oh, I absolutely I, think I so. Especially yeah. in the case of the Mandalorians. I mean, you're literally forced underground hiding one at a time can come out of this little hole.
1: Yeah, they did suffer an apocalypse of their culture. Like, like yeah. they literally, so they, they,
0: they, you know, what's going to keep you together? What's going to hold you into, um, you know, staying within your limits and, and being bound to the people around you it's like a traditional cultural like Greek or Viking or Roman or whatever. It's like mm-hmm. you're honor and duty bound to each other because of something great that that binds you. And that is, this is the way for them. Uh, it's their sect, it's their belief. So, I mean, I, to yeah. me, it just, it's too easy to piece it together. Obviously it's a, it's a massive assumption. So I can't sit here and say that is the true ideological way behind what they're doing. But to me, it makes the most sense and why it's just like, for, for instance, you, you mentioned the Fallout games, you know, they believe all these things from the past, but what is you as the protagonist, what, what do you do? You go out into the world and you change your belief system because you're exposed to more, which is what Mando is doing. Right. He has left his sect, he's left his bunker, if you will. He is going yeah, out right. into the world, his and fault. for the first time, he's meeting other Mandalorians that aren't a part of this sect. And now, because of what he keeps saying and what the Mandalorians on his planet were saying, like, you have to find other, there's others like us, it might be true, but that's another, that's just, like, another sect. But there are other Mandalorians. There's probably more, like, Bo-Katan than there are, like, Mando. And you just don't know that. It's because you just, if you didn't have that grasp of the Mandalorian's prior to this show, you wouldn't know that either. And you would obviously think like the Mandalorians are all like Mando. Well, again, we already talked about it, but they're not. He's actually the minority. The majority are like Bo-Katan. So I just think there's just this potential for a character arc of this liberating, freeing feeling for Mando where he, he doesn't have to give up who he is as a character that we love. Like that won't happen. But
1: It's going to be some kind of middle ground yeah breaking
0: through restrictions to free himself that opens up the possibility for a more character development you know is is his story done i I don't think so like i think there's just so much more but because of how he is brought to the table he can't you you can't find out anymore outside of what his actions are and he can only do so many good deeds until we realize yeah he's not a bad dude but we really don't know who he is. We know he's very code and honor bound, but will that change? And will we find out a lot more about him in the future? If, if the big if, obviously, if he changes some of his ideology and goes a more traditional Mandalorian route where it's okay to take your helmet off and interact with people like that. So
1: I think it's going to be a middle ground where he integrates and accepts most of the culture, and he's totally okay with what they're doing, but he himself will not remove his, his helmet. That's my prediction. Yeah, he'll be totally fine with them. He'll accept it as legitimate, but he will never be comfortable taking his helmet off. That's that's what I'm predicting. That's my hot take. Take it or leave it.
0: Yeah, I, I, yada that's yada fair. yada, etc. etc. I think it's fair. Okay. Yeah.
1: As long as you think it's fair, Austin. <laughs> It's all that matters, right? Yeah, you're my Mandalore, bro. Oh, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem.
0: Whew. Man,
1: Whew. this is this was exciting. I'm so glad that you were you were a touch point for the the Clone Wars because I I need to catch up. I definitely haven't seen it all yet. So I literally I
0: cannot recommend Ooh. it enough. It is so good. I mean, at the start, it's kind of like okay, where does this all go?
1: I heard season one, you just kind of got to get through. Yeah. and then it's
0: well, just make sure StarWars.com watch in order. It's not in season order at the first like three or four seasons i think are uh, the majority of the episodes you can watch in order but there's some that you need to watch prior to and then jump you have to jump around a little bit for it to make sense
1: wait what well, yeah
0: you didn't know that no. i thought i told you that i mean
1: i haven't started i i've only watched like season one of the clone wars and that was a while ago
0: yeah it um if you google it you'll get the list of like order of how to watch the clone wars because it's like like
1: it really? It's like a, so if you watch it chronologically, like in order of release date, it'll is that going to be like so bad? It'll it'll
0: it'll make sense, but like it won't be true. Optimal, yeah. There's like if you watch it in order, you'll be there'll be certain instances where you're like, oh wait, didn't that happen? Like, why are we coming back to this here when I think that happened over here? So you essentially you eliminate all that like. It, it just kind of okay, falls, falls into a lot and falls in line it's not like you know it won't ruin the, the experience but i think for the most yeah. optimal experience you want to watch it in order and then i think by like season four or maybe halfway through three you don't have to do it anymore it's just like the very beginning because you have to watch some of the it's like you watch like a couple episodes from season three a couple episodes from season two one then there's the movie because there's references from the Clone Wars movie, not the actual one, there's an animated one um, right. that ties into like, wow. it makes sense with what happens in season one. So it's like, you want to you want to get all that in order so it just makes the most sense instead of having to be like, oh wait, wait a minute, we're here because of that. Or like, why are we going back to this when we already did this? Like, it's it's just one of those things.
1: Interesting. You know, The Witcher books are like that too. There's a, there, There's an optimal reading order. Um, because a lot of them are short stories that like trace back to times that have already happened and stuff. So, okay, that that's not a totally foreign concept to me. I'm glad you told me that though. Um, for the viewers or for the listeners, where where is that list located again?
0: Um, you should just be able to Google it. Uh, you know, I'll just do it right now. How to or what order to watch Clone Wars? It was on StarWars.com, but I didn't search it through the actual website. I just googled it and found it. I okay. Oh. Didn't even watch Clone Wars. Yeah, boom. StarWars.com. The Star Wars, the Clone Wars chronological episode order. Okay. So Well,
1: that's that's I'm looking at it like you go.
0: You start with an episode from season two, then you Mm -hmm. go into season one, then you watch the movie. Then there's two episodes from season three that are not back to back, and then you watch all of season one. And then you go into season two and then you jump around season two. Like, yeah. And then there's an episode in season one that you jump in episode in season three. It all makes sense. That's wild. It all, it all makes sense. Like you have to do it.
1: That's wild. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll do it. I'll humor you. I'll do it that way. We'll I'm telling you, dude,
0: that, so okay. much okay. happened in the Clone Wars. It It's truly incredible. Like you just learned so much. If you're more than just like a casual star wars fan if you're kind of curious about what what we're talking about or what's going on or like like when i watch the clone wars revenge of the sith and into the Revenge of the sith i'm like what happened in between that that's a huge chunk of time from from all of this happening you know where does it all come in and the clone wars fills that gap the clone wars takes you from the second clone wars movie into revenge of the sith it fills that entire gap it answers a lot of questions about anakin yoda obi-wan ahsoka the clones the sith the droids just literally anything you have a question about about mainline star wars the clone wars answers the question All of them.
1: This podcast is becoming me simping for KOTOR and you simping for the Clone Wars animated show.
0: (laughs) I mean, they're twenty. They're like twenty-minute episodes. You just you just you can power through like five of them eating a meal. And certainly, there's points where it's like, okay, yeah, I I just need to get through it. But there's a lot of points where you're like, oh, like, like a little teaser. Like, there's a part. There's a area of the Clone Wars that um order 66 pops up way earlier than it should and you're like uh there was a chance to fix there's a chance to to find this out what but then it i mean it obviously it doesn't because order 66 happens but in the clone wars there's a little there's there's some area where you're like oh boy so okay. that's like that's a little well
1: you, you you sold me austin you sold me
0: yeah we'll see We'll see if you actually do it. I can. I'd talk about Clone Wars forever, but I, yeah, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. Very good. Very easy.
1: Well, we've we've done it, Austin. We have. I think we've done it. We have. Um. I have. I have no other. I have no extra credits or anything. I. I it was really just the pod race for sound effects, and uh, we already talked about the dark saber lore. So, um. Other than that, I. You know, I keep noticing that Bryce Dallas Howard, which if you don't know who I'm talking about, she. She started her career as an actress. She was like she was in Jurassic World and she's also been in some other films that are perhaps a higher aura in terms of like, you know, her acting skill. Um I just can't think of them off the top of my head. Um so to see her directing these episodes, pretty cool.
0: Indeed. Pretty cool. She's definitely one of uh, I mean they're all good. Maybe not the
1: They're all good, but her episodes have been like big ones every single yeah. time. Which
0: is which is awesome to see that she gets the keys mm-hmm. to uh the big car, if you will. So and right. She's really good looking, man. She's good looking. I can't wait for the next draft. I yeah, have War. a crush. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if it'll be good, but Austin it'll be worth it crush. with Chris Pratt and yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Well, uh, with Austin Simping for BDH. Uh, I think that's about time to close the episode, huh? <laughs> On that yeah, note. I
0: think so. I'm just, I'm, ho- I'm excited to see. Obviously, the new episode <laughs> dropped today. It's Friday, November twentieth. Um, yeah. Excited to see what they do. Hopefully, it's not like a episode two where it's like we get a piece, we have a mission, and then we don't do anything relevant to anything. I don't think they'll do it again, but you never know. Um, but yeah. I'm excited to see what they, wh- which direction they go in. Um, hopefully, I just want Ahsoka Tano. I, I want Ahsoka Tano in these episodes I want to know what she's been Me up too. to I want to know what we're doing with her right now and where we're going because again she is such a humongous piece to the Star Wars universe she is like the singular character that connects literally everything except the new movies so
1: yeah and Rosario Dawson's a she's a wonderful actor so I'm 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 excited to see what she does with the character agreed agreed
0: Cool. All right. Well, that's it for the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, sorry if we went all over the place, but hopefully the short recap about halfway through helps explain everything. Like, super excited. We're back on track with the Mandalorian. Um, the dive is ended. We're going back to the surface. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you guys next time. Goodbye.
1: <laughs> it's just going to get creepier every week, dude.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Dweeb Dive. If you liked what you heard, please, please, please like and give us a follow so we can continue diving into your favorite topics.
1: There's been a lot of hot takes. There's been a lot of claims, a lot of references to the deep lore. If you have a question, a comment, feedback, you're angry with me for something perhaps inaccurate, I said, which is very likely, please do not hesitate to reach out on our accounts and ask us the big questions. We would love to hear from you. Thanks, guys.